Let's all join together and pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. So, is it you? How do you feel when you walk around the corner of your house and you see in a blazing hot summer day that the door is standing open? What do you yell out? Close the door. Or how about when, uh, when you're in the group project? The thing that should be a team building thing and there's just one person that takes over, one person that dominates and controls and refuses to listen to anybody else. The emotions kind of build up for you. The frustration, does it come out? How about Monday mornings now when you're sitting at home and you think about what happened to your team the day before and you know that if they had just seen what you saw. If you were the coach and you could control and tell people this is the way we're going to play and this is what we're going to do, that then your team would have done a whole lot better than what your team did. Is it you? Do you see yourself in some of these things? That maybe you could look at yourself right now and there would be this giant neon flashing sign above your head that said, controlling, controlling, controlling. Or maybe you think about things like this and then you know the person in your life and you think, well, that's the person that needs to hear this sermon. This is them. Well, because we live and we work and we play together in our lives. Who you are might not be hard for somebody else to see. For Jacob, taking control of life it wasn't just a saying. It really did look like that's who he was. It started at birth for him. When he was this newborn baby, Jacob reached out and he grabbed onto his twin brother's foot, so his parents named him Jacob. More literally, heel grabber, but more the, the connotation and the meaning behind it, deceiver. <laughs> How's that for a name for a newborn? And how's that for a reminder? Every time he heard it, every time he made the mistake and he lived it out in his life, oh, he must have been left wondering if this is who he really was. And that if anything was going to go right in Jacob's life, he was going to have to take hold of it, take control, and get it for himself. Well, a lot of the context behind the story that we get today kind of shows that the name did fit for a long time. It starts actually before his birth, even, when his mom was pregnant with the, with the twins. His twin brother Esau and him, they wrestled in her womb. And she wondered what in the world was going on until God revealed to her that these two twins inside of her were going to become two great nations, that lots of people were going to be born from their family lines, and that the younger son, Jacob, was actually going to rule over the older son, Esau. That was strange for their culture and their context. But in this, God was also promising that 
the blessings of the firstborn would go to the younger son, Jacob. The inheritance, the money, the birthright, and all that came with it. The line of the Savior was going to go through him. And God promised all of these things to Jacob, even before he's born. And we know a kind of a cool detail that Rebecca, she had a favorite son, and that she was ready to give all these things to her favorite son, Jacob. But then as life went on, Jacob didn't need God to give him these blessings. He was going to do it himself. There was this one time where his brother Esau was just drained from hunting and drained from being out in the fields and running around. So Jacob got him to sell this birthright thing for a bowl of stew. One bowl of food, and, and Jacob got one of the things that God had promised. Well, the blessing from dad was going to be a little bit harder because we know Rebecca loved the younger son and Isaac, the dad, loved the older son. So Isaac was ready to disobey God and to give this special blessing to the older son, Esau, and Jacob knew he had to act. So his mom prepared this special meal. Jacob, really weird, he put on sheepskin over his arms so that his nearly blind, almost deaf dad, when he reached out and touched him, he would think it was his hairier brother, Esau. And as Jacob was there with his dad, he openly lied to his dad about who he was. He tricked him. But for Jacob, all of that was justified because God had promised this blessing. So deception and tricks and lying, now that was going to be okay. And then when Jacob learned that because of all of this messiness, his brother Esau was so mad he was ready to kill him, he ran away. And he gave the excuse that he was just going to find a good wife, a wife that was going to be with him and believe what he believed. But this is just Jacob. This is almost every part of his life until what we hear today. This is the heel grabber. This is the deceiver. This is just who Jacob is. Then during his escape, as he's running away, this tired and traveled and worn down heel grabber found a place to try to rest. There he tried to use a rock for a pillow. And as Jacob is controlling and scheming and just ruining his life, even there the Lord chose to reveal himself and renew these special promises with Jacob in a dream. God promised him that his descendants were going to get the land that he was on. That God was going to be with him and bless him and bring him back safely to his father's land and that all nations, all people on earth were going to be blessed through him, the Lord. Even as Jacob is controlling and scheming and ruining all these things, promised not to leave him until all of these promises were going to be fulfilled. And even after that, Jacob hadn't learned. In the foreign land, Jacob continued to live as the controller and the schemer and the heel grabber, trying to force God's promises to come true. And God still blessed him with this large family, with lots of wealth. He got what he fought for, 
And for a little while, this heel-grabbing kind of life looked pretty good. But every time you heard it, every time you lived it, the name stuck. Jacob. This is who he had been. This is who he was. This is just who he was always going to be. Now, I think you can thank your parents today that they didn't name you with what would have been probably the biggest mistake and struggle that you go through in your life. But I think you know how this feels. Because I think we look at ourselves a little bit like those are the names that we have. Like these things that we struggle with are written in permanent marker on our foreheads for us and for everybody else to see that these are who we are. Abuser. Addict. Liar. Cheater. Hateful. Hurtful. Apathetic. Christian. Jealous person. Procrastinator. Whatever is popping up in your head right now that you know probably should be written up there. And to be fair, I think if you're honest with yourself, you might not disagree right now that these things should be there. Because you do keep going back to these things that hurt you. You do keep lashing out. You lie when you don't need to lie. You cheat because that makes life easier. You hold grudges and you can't let it go. You hate and you refuse to listen. I know you because you're like me. You sin. You've got an awful name or two that probably could be written up here and that looks like it might fit you perfectly. Well, Jacob's name had definitely been who he was. And so God knew that Jacob needed a restart. So God took this guy that loved to scheme and control and he forced him into a situation that was going to be impossible to control. After all these things in life of him controlling, he sent him back to his brother Esau, whom he had cheated, after decades of letting that boil and build up. All the other people that he had controlled and wronged and done bad things to, all those people were going to be there too. God forced Jacob into this fight that was coming, and God made sure it was a fight that Jacob was not going to be able to control. And so then we finally get to our story, the little piece of it that we got today. The night before he meets his brother, Jacob knew what was coming. In fact, he'd heard that his brother Esau was on his way to meet him with 400 armed men. Revenge for stealing the birthright. The blessing was drawing closer to him with every passing minute. Once the sun came up, Esau was finally going to get what he had been waiting for for years. So we heard how Jacob led his whole family over to the other side of a river, later where they were going to meet. Jacob sent over a bunch of his possessions to kind of go and be this peace offering. Go take all of these animals that I have. Take all of these riches. Send them over to my brother. Maybe that will slow him down or at least make him not come and hurt me as fast. 
And when everything else was gone out of his life, everything else he had fought and controlled and, and schemed to get on his own, Jacob went back over to the other side of the river, absolutely alone, with nothing else to think about except for his brother Esau. And it was there as he sat alone, terrified, wondering whether or not he was going to make it through the next day, wondering how many people in his life were going to have to pay the price for him and his mistakes. All of a sudden, Jacob gets pulled into a completely unexpected fight. A man that Jacob had not seen or heard came, grabbed onto him, and started wrestling with him. No time to think of a clever way out of this. No time to escape. No time to grab onto anything else for help. Nothing else to do except wrestle. And after hours of struggling, Jacob's mystery opponent was losing this fight. Jacob, for whatever reason, had the upper hand. He had this man in some sort of hold that the man couldn't escape from. He wasn't running away anymore. He was literally holding on with every ounce of his strength. And the match kept going in this hold until the sun came up. And that's when the opponent saw that physically he wasn't going to win. So this unknown mystery opponent touched Jacob's hip and it gets popped out of its socket. Oh, it's painful. But Jacob held on. He wouldn't let go. Time didn't matter to him. Neither did the pain in his hip. When the man finally said to him, let me go, for it is daybreak and we've been wrestling for hours. It's time. Jacob held firmly on to him and replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So what in the world is going on here? Who is this man? Why did Jacob want to be blessed by a complete stranger who wanted to fight with him? Well, at some point in this fight, Jacob had kind of figured it out. His mystery opponent was God. Now, we've got the rest of the Bible, and there is a lot of context here that later on today, send me questions. We'll dive into it. But real short answer, in uh, the Old Testament book of Hosea, we learn that Jacob struggled with the angel. And in the Old Testament, a bunch of places, when we have this special word for the angel, we know that this is God, that this is actually the second person of the Trinity, that this is Jesus. So as he's wrestling with this mystery opponent, Jacob is literally holding on to his Savior. Like him, there are some things in our lives that just change you. This last week, probably as a bunch of you did, I had some time to think just about September 11th and that experience and what it meant. I was 11 years old, on my way to school when we first heard what was going on. And then we spent the rest of that school day in the classroom watching TV until we had the early dismissal. And then we just spent the rest of the time at home watching TV. And if you were alive for that time, that changed you. I think about the last three years of our lives 
And I think about the history books and the chapter of the, the last three years of everything that we just went through and all of that they have to try to capture and explain. I think almost everybody here, there's a few, but almost everybody here was alive for that. You're not the same person today as you were three and a half or four years ago. I even think about good things in our lives, right? Like, like having these infants, these newborns in our lives. When you have kids, a good and awesome thing, but it changes you. It changes what you do and how you think and who you are. If you've got a couple minutes today, take some time and just think through you, yourself and your life and the experiences that you've had where you go through them and you come out the, si the other side and you're just different. You're going to see that there's stuff that happens that absolutely changes who you are. This is one of those times for Jacob. After these hours of wrestling, when Jacob sees that when God sees that Jacob won't let go, he asks him, what's your name? And here it pours out in one word, Jacob. Heel grabber, deceiver, liar, the one who relies on himself to try to get everything fulfilled. And you got to wonder, as he says his name out loud, Thoughts of unworthiness and shame and sin must have just flooded his mind. As he says this name out loud, which has been his identity and his life for so long, he must have realized just how foolish it was for him to ask God to bless him. But God wanted Jacob to understand very clearly what was happening. This mystery fighter gives Jacob a new start. Because the man says to him, your name, who you are, how you see yourself, how you live in this world, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Don't, see your, don't identify yourself and see yourself as the heel grabber any longer. Now you are the one whose name means someone who struggles with God, who holds on tight to God and his promises, and who overcomes. God does this for Jacob. He reveals himself to this lowly human being who had failed to trust in God. And at that moment, the stunned and shame-filled Jacob, all he could do was ask God for his name. And just when God should have smushed him and laid into him for all the doubt and the pride and the self-righteous attitude, what does God do? He blesses him. He gives him a new name. He gives his life a new start. He helps him understand who he is. He does it for Jacob. He does this for you and me. This is why we start our worship service every time like we do with words that remind us of what God does for us in our baptisms with a reminder of what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus means for us right now so that we can see our true identities because you are not your struggles you're not your mistakes 
or failures. There is, thank God, there is no flashing sign above your head listing your sins. Your identity is not abuser, addict, liar, cheater, apathetic believer, jealous person, hateful. Whatever sin that you know you struggle with, this is not who you are. You are one who's loved, one who has been perfected, one who is washed, one who is clean, one who is part of God's family, one who is God's dearly loved child. You might not have this mountaintop experience like Jacob had, but this is who you are. And all the mistakes that you're holding on to, that you've been going back to, that you've been focusing on and seeing yourself as, it's time to let them go. And instead, hold on to this new person that you are in Jesus. Because in him, God gives you a new identity, a new way to look at yourself, a new and a better thing to hold on to. You are forgiven in Jesus. Amen.